Hello everyone and welcome to Sacked in the Morning, the football podcast that can't seem to get its full squad fit in time. My name is Richard, I am your host each and every week. This week I am joined by Newbie. Introduce yourself again for us please. My name is Lee and I am a Brighton fan. Yes, as you can see by the shirt, if you are watching the video online. He's the only one who turned up in a football kit for a football podcast. We should be ashamed of ourselves, shouldn't we? Shameful. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty pretty appalling, pretty appalling. And well, you know, prerequisites. You may have heard him briefly there. I'm also joined by Feeling. How are you, Feeling? Yeah, not bad. Not too Welcome bad. Welcome back. Had a brief little uh, time off last episode, didn't you? So. Oh, I did. Did you enjoy your little holiday? I was probably at work tonight. I think you were. Probably, yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> so, no, definitely not. So, you're, really at your, holiday, you're at your not real job. I mean, this is your real job here, isn't it? You know, your football oh, insights. His pretend yeah. other job that he goes to. Exactly, yeah. The the one that pays the bills. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> you should be devoted that, that, to that, me that 24-7, damn it. <laughs> but yeah, no Tom. First episode without Tom. For the, for I was going to say, if anybody, if anybody should be getting grief for not being here right now, it's Tom. Oh, he, yeah, he has oh, let the side down. He, he has. Let First time he's not been here. He's... Uh... I don't know what the well, excuse we is either. Just me and you, but what sacked in the morning? Oh yeah, that was the mini sode, wasn't yeah, yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, remember it was, that yeah, one. The I mean, you only Good want point. a mini sode with feeling anyway, which is two exactly. of you. So. Just can't spend that long with him. It does his head, no. doesn't it? You know. God no. <laughs> oh God. Well, with <laughs> that being said, I guess. Feeling apparently. Yeah, you should have. Apparently you got something you want to say as well. Ugh, oh, dude, I I know. I'm so sorry, guys. But you know, there's just something I just, just need to. Talk. Oh, go on then. I do. Are you gonna let me? Oh, I suppose you have to read it. You haven't got much choice. Yeah. Now. I mean, I could just cut to Lee and just you know, to hell with you. But you know. But yeah. You're going to talk at some point, and then I have to edit it all out anyway. So I might as well just <laughs> yeah. let you go. <laughs> just bite the bullet and just be, just be done with it, yeah? Just, just, yeah, just get it yeah. over and done with it. It would be less work for you. Yeah, it would. It's like ripping off a plaster, isn't it? you just gotta, you just got to do it. Yeah, just quick, painless, just be out of the way. So go on then. Get going. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was here like a couple of weeks into the season. Had the Women's World Cup, and I don't know about anybody else, but the standard of refereeing just seems to get continuously worse and worse and worse. Somebody's so, been reading my Discord chats. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you read the WhatsApp chat that me and Lee have, it will just literally be refereeing decisions. Just constantly through through the weekend, it's got to the point where 
they're supposed to be professional referees and I don't know what they do half the time because they don't they don't seem to understand laws of the game. You don't know handball now is like a fifty fifty. It's what you see given one week is not given another week will be given the next the next week and it there's just absolutely no consistency. There is bizarre decision making. Um VAR seems to have made it worse. I know you like we've touched on this a couple of times and I know you're not a big proponent of that. Everyone VAR. knows how I feel about VAR. Oh my um, god. But it it feels like it's just it's just made refereeing worse. That nobody seems to want to make the decision anymore. You see refereeing in internationals where as soon as there's a decision to make, they send the referee to the monitor and you fairly and you pretty much know once a referee goes to the monitor, whatever decision they didn't give was about to be given. But watching the Premier League or the, Char- uh, the Premier League and other bits and pieces is they don't seem to send the referee to the monitor. The VAR person makes a decision for the referee on the pitch. I've seen the ref Which go to is... the monitor a couple of times, and then but the but it's like you said, as soon as they go to the monitor, you're like, well, this is being overturned. <clears throat> yeah, it, it shows how bad it is because after the first weekend of the Premier League, there was a referee team that was suspended the next week. In the uh, the Man know. United the Wolves Man United game, yeah, yeah, and that that referee team weren't was suspended for the the week after. How did the referee on the field miss it? Because it was clear as day. Two had an assistant referee who looked across the goal line, not give it, and then how why how did a VAR guy think having watched the replay probably about six times? Either A, not give the penalty, or B, not tell the referee to go to the monitor and review it. Because 99.99999 recurring times, that is a penalty. That That is literally, if you went to the rule book and looked up a definition of a foul, that's the definition of a foul. Well, the reason you say 99.9999 recurring is because this is the one time it wasn't a penalty, and that's skewed up the whole 100% that that's a penalty. That was like that was assault. That wasn't just a penalty. That he should have been arrested <laughs> for that challenge. That was <laughs> that. That's that's where I think if you look at it, was it was was VAR been in the Premier League now? Two seasons, three seasons, is three it? Seasons, think, isn't it? Three seasons, three yeah, seasons. I I I still think that before the the goal line technology, great. Yeah, should should happen anyway. But I. Don't feel like they they researched enough and gave the refs and their teams enough training in VAR because it happens so much. You sit there and it is shocking some of the decisions they make, and you can see it's a handball, it's a penalty, it's a free kick. They they just don't do it. I mean, surely if a, if a referee's got to look at if the VAR official like the Women's World Cup final with this, the this penalty that was given to Spain, if you have to mm. spend three, four, five, six minutes reviewing a decision, then surely that's not that's not clear and obvious. Clear and obvious should be you should be able to look at it and go, yeah, he's got that wrong. Well, this that's is a the clear one and obvious thing. Error. This is the one thing that really annoys me with regards to this is is that. Clear and obvious is a subjective term. You can't make that a quantifiable thing. So that should never be in the discussion anyway. You shouldn't turn around and say, it has to be a clear and obvious. Because I might look at it and go, 
that is a clearly obvious decision that he's got wrong there. Yeah. Whereas the next VAR person might turn around and go, I'm not so sure that I would give that either. So clear and obvious should not be a discussion in, in it at all whatsoever because it is not a quantifiable term. I hate that term. I hate it with a passion. I mean, I'm not going to get too in, into the weeds because we did a whole episode on VAR. You can go back and listen to that episode. I will link it in the description. Um, and if you're watching on the YouTube, it should be linked here right now. Okay. Other side if you're a top there. Kind of this spot here, somewhere like that. Um, but I still think it's not necessarily the case that mm, they haven't trained the officials properly. I think that what it is is that football seems to have this weird special place in its mind where it thinks, well, we need our own special football rules because football isn't like other sports. And they just tried to make it as different as they possibly could. And it's just made it stupid and yeah. not consistent. Whereas if you look at something like cricket or rugby or tennis, they all have pretty much similar kind of levels of, well, this is what we go to the to the box for. If you want to challenge it, you can challenge it. Other than that, we're going to let the game go. Whereas football was like, no, we need to do something completely different because football's nothing like those. Football is nothing like rugby. I don't know what you're talking about. So we need these special rules, and it's just yeah, and they and then they just they just shot themselves in the foot. And rather than admitting, yeah, we really cocked up. We need to overhaul VAR entirely. They just keep doubling down on it and going, well, yeah. let's just make more rules on top of this stupid rule to make this stupid rule a little less stupid. Oh, but wait, now we've made it more stupid. Well, let's make some more rules that contravene that rule that then helps with that rule. And it's just like, it's just a web of really stupid rules and everything now. I think they've sorted out the offsides. The offsides do seem to be getting Have they? a lot quicker. Have, yeah, but the problem is, is that we're still in the same situation where you're going to have a decision at some point this season where it's minuscule. It, it hasn't happened yet. Oh, 100%. But it will. And then it'll be like, well, we don't know what we're doing again. And it's going to take 10 minutes to try and figure it out. You know? So I don't think they have cleared it up. I think that they've that, that it's just waiting well, for it Well, based on what happen. they used at the Women's World Cup, yeah. it looks a lot clearer. It looks a lot quicker. I mean, watch some of those games. The offsides was... It was pretty concise. You weren't waiting around for two, three, four minutes. It was, yes, no, within about 30 seconds. But was there any that were, like, so tight that you're like, I just could not pull that either way? Yeah, there was, I think there was was one or two that, you know. Because I didn't actually see pretty much any of the Women's World Cup. And that's not because I'm against women's football. It's just because it was in Australia and I was in bed. (laughs) I watched. I mean, I watched. I, I sat and watched the game, and uh, yeah, the, the the quality of refereeing was was some of the decisions she made was shocking. The the the, the penalty you can you can sort of see why she gave it, but if it takes her... five minutes, it's not. It's at that point you have to say enough's enough because yeah, if you have five minutes still... to review something. You can't pinpoint an error. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, I wish you didn't. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an England fan. I'm not. I'm, I'm, you know, you don't want anything against the, the team that you're following. But you can sort of see why she took so long to look at it because of where the hand was, the high, everything like that. But she, she took. I think she took too long when she. You could see she had the team talking in her ear while looking at the screen. So 
yeah, but it's it, yeah, it's it's tough. It's it's still hard. The thing that then I you get the Christian Romero one against United at, on Saturday, which was pretty much in a sim- the arms were in a similar position to the one that was given against England, and that wasn't given. So he, there's no. No, it was against Spurs. It, it was the, the the handball was against Romero. It, it wasn't given. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, the, the, I saw that, Man U fans going on about that after Bruno Fernandes demanded an apology, yeah, an apology. because because the you know the Wolves team got an apology, so we demanded an apology, and so many Man U <laughs> fans were like, right on, right on, and I'm like, no, those two are not equatable <laughs> at thing. all. They are not. In, one is very much debatable and subject to the rule, you know, like interpretations. One was a crime. So, you know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. He basically did everything shy of taking his wallet from him, you know? <laughs> and the other one is like, oh, my hand was in a weird position. It's like, those are not the same thing, man. Bruno Fernandes is a... For lack of a better term, I, sorry. I do think sometimes, though, when you look at some players and they're defending, they jump or they're that. Some players, they have their hand up there or there, and it's like, why are you jumping like that? You wouldn't normally jump that, or you wouldn't normally tackle or slide on the floor like that. So, what are you, you trying to I, achieve by doing that? Some, even things like that. There was one in the Newcastle Villa game where the, the I think the guy went for a header and his hands like there somewhere but the referee on the pitch didn't give it and he could see it and he could clearly see it because when they showed the replay from coming looking down the pitch the referee's looking right at it but the referee didn't give it because he almost wants VAR he almost wants like he's looking for yeah I I would agree with that I think that they're kind of like trying to pass the buck a little bit now yeah, I'm going to let VAR decide whether I'm going to give that or I'm not going to make the decision on the field because I don't want to get the grease. So I'm going to let the team behind me do it. And then if it's given, it's their problem. I'm only doing what I'm told. Yeah. And it seems like so many referees are like that now. They don't want to make the decision. It could have been the same for the Anana one. The referee on the pitch has gone, I'm at Old Trafford. I'm not going to give that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let somebody else take yeah, and VAR said it was fine because it wasn't a clear and obvious error. <laughs> yeah. He nearly killed the man, well, but no. Yeah, when he nearly yeah. took the head. But it, it feels like referees are doing that. They're almost looking for an out or an yeah, excuse I would, to not I would give totally the decision. agree with that. So mm. I want to touch upon quickly with the whole jumping thing. So I think that, that comes from the potential softening of the game as well, where players are now worried. So usually when we played, I don't know about you guys, but when I went up for a header, I would put my arm like this to yeah. try oh, when I and, up as a, you know. Yeah. Now, the problem is, is now I'm going to get called for an elbow if I do that, and I'm going to get a red card. So now I think the whole stretching of the arm is to try and avoid the whole, I'm not elbowing him, my arm is up here. See, I'm, I'm challenging, because I've got to get my arms up to jump anyway, because you need to hoof yourself, don't you? Yeah, but I think that with the with the whole <laughs> good choice of words. Well, you you do, <laughs> uh, you know, um, but I reckon Sorry. that with the whole elbowing culture now, that anytime someone's arm touches someone's head, that's a red card because you've killed him. Look at him; he is dead. Um, that I think that that's where that comes from. I mean, I might be I might be wrong. I don't know, but to me, I've seen a lot more of that since. 
we get given red cards for what I would deem a fair challenge at the end of the day. I'm not going for you. I'm trying to win the ball. It just so happens my arm is kind of attached to me. Um, and yeah. I don't know why, but I can't defy the laws of physics. I mean, if you could coach me how He's to do that. Hard. You've not tried hard enough, Richard. You need to try yeah. harder, then, clearly. I need better coaches that teach me how to phase through <laughs> objects, you know, so that way I don't end up hurting people. But this is my this is my whole argument of, like, the softening of football. I mean, uh, McAllister's red card at the weekend. I mean, uh, it was a, oh, you know, nice. he's been overturned. It got over yeah, but... but the thing is, if panel of referees when the uh, appeal goes through have overturned that again, why do they not see that at the time on the pitch? Because it it wasn't the I mean the referee gave the red uh, gave the yellow card and VAR graded it to a red card. I think if memory serves. But the thing is, if it's been if they if the panel can see that it wasn't a red card offence, how does the referee? If the VARs looked at that, not see that that's not a red card offence. I mean, this is what I was saying. That I think that if if they're gonna be stubborn and just keep banging on with this current version of VAR, and they're not gonna strip it all back and just rehaul it completely, I think it's time to start introducing players, ex-players, into the VAR room because Formula One did that with ex-drivers in the stewards' room when they were having loads of problems with stewards saying, you don't really understand the ins and outs of what's going on here. So I would say introduce players into that situation because they'd be able to say, you know, a player will give you a fairer assessment, I think, than a ref. It also shows to intent because referees don't always read the intent of a challenge. Yeah. 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 You you, you, you know if someone's gone in to hurt somebody. Reminds oh, me of the son red card from a few years ago against the Everton yeah. player that snapped his leg. And Marcello. he was given a straight red card. Well, he wasn't, though. A, he, uh, was given, he was given he a, was yellow, given a yellow, yellow, first of all. And then, and then once, they saw, it, once they saw what had happened, they were like, actually, no, that's a red, yeah. It, the same thing yeah. happened with Marcelo a few weeks ago. He like had control of the ball. He did like um, uh, a Maradona turn on the ball. He put his foot out to stable himself on his like his standing foot so that he could then go off again with his right foot. And some player has come sliding in in the meantime. Had his foot already been planted, that would have been a horrendous tackle on Marcelo. Like, horrible. Yeah. And that player would have got the red card. But because of the timings, it worked out that the player player's leg was underneath Marcelo's planting foot. And yeah, he, he ended snapped, up breaking he on it, didn't he? his leg. Yeah. And and Marcelo got a red card for it, straight red. And I was like, I mean, I feel ho horrible. I feel horrible for the guy. But that wasn't even a foul, let alone a red card. I don't know. I, I, it, it, that's what it feels like to me. I, I, it feels like they don't even know what sport they're refereeing anymore. What do you yeah. make of these yellow cards for time wasting? Yeah. Because I was reading earlier, there's been 14 yellow cards in the first two weeks of the season for time wasting. That'll die off by December anyway. Yeah. I think it, it always they always try and clamp down on something new at the beginning of the season and like oh from now on a maximum of two people in the technical area or you're gonna get booked and then that died off within a few weeks and you know it's like 
I mean, I get why you want to try and stop the time wasting, but I mean, you do that time wasting, then you go like to VAR for like fifteen minutes, and it's like, well, yeah, yeah. what difference does it make? Is it really made that big a difference? Are just add time on, which is what I thought that they were doing. But then I don't know how long this is going to last as well, because eventually you're going to get managers complaining about that, saying, you're making us play an extra half an hour during the game. My players are going to get injured. You know, you're risking injury of players here because you're making yeah, them play longer than they need to. Well, it, obviously, it, they tried it, it during the Men's World Cup and throughout the, like, the first, I think, three weeks of the group games, we were having 100-minute matches. And then as you yeah, get yeah. through to the... Uh, the last down. round of group games, it just kind of died out. It was like it was almost kind of forgotten about. But I mean, mm. in a tournament, I get that because it's it's four weeks max. But across a thirty-eight yeah. week, fifty odd week season, you know, it's like you can't yeah, do exactly. that. You can't be having a hundred and ten minute games every week. You know, like especially if you're mm. like playing EFL, like championship teams play twice a week. You're going to expect them to do 200-minute matches a week. That's, you know, managers are going to well, complain yeah, about that. Well, you think if the game clocks 100 minutes with the injury time in the second half, let alone what the time is actually clocked in the first, at the end of the first half, you, you are, yeah. as you say, you're getting closer to 110, 115 if you've got 10 minutes at the end of each half. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just a bit too extreme. Again, as you, when you're talking about having ex-players in the VAR, maybe you should involve ex-players with the PGMO and um, when you're going to review rules in the off season, in pre-season and just say, look, what's your opinion on X, Y, Z? How can we stop A, B and C, for example, and start you've, actually trying to work with the clubs or ex-players rather than just blank again, no more time wasting, you will be booked and then you get bookings all over the bloody place and then, you know, players are going to get suspended and you get really silly red cards because it's two bookings. But you, you've, uh, if, if you're going to do that, you've got to pick the right ex-players to do it. So don't have your Gary Neville's or your Jamie Carragher's that just yeah. never agree with referees anyway. You need ones that uh, aren't in the spotlight. But my issue, my, my, my thing would be, yeah, is why you even book people for time-wasting? I mean... Yeah. Picking the ball away, I get. Yeah, but again... the ball in the stands. But again, you can just turn around and go, waste as much time as you want. I'm just going to add it on. I don't care. You know, you're punishing yourself. So, you know. But then you know, they kick the ball away time ways. But then could you look at it and go, when they got the ball and they just stay in the corner for the last five minutes of a match? Hmm. You could say that's wasting time because all they're doing is standing there covering the ball. You're not actually really seeing any football being played. No, their argument will be the ball's on the pitch, so technically it's in play. But that is, but I you know, also, that is the... I also think in a system where you have so many match balls around, kicking a ball away doesn't really make a difference anymore because it's like, well, there's one right Probably there, on. so he's yeah. just chucked me another one. I've got one. It's fine. You know, you could kick that one out of the stadium. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the problem is as well is that you have situations, genuine situations. Like I remember. I can't remember who it was now, but like the stadium was so loud that I couldn't even hear the whistle on the telly, let alone the wow. person in the, the in the stadium. And they got booked for time wasting because they carried on playing and then and then they took a shot 
or something like that. Yeah. After the whistle had gone, and then he got booked for it. And he's like, I can't hear you. Like you know. Like... So like situations like that is like, well, that's why I'd be like, well, do you even need bookings for time wasting anymore? It's not. It's like yeah. it's the whole reason why they got rid of away goals. Because you don't really need away goals anymore. No. It's not like it was in the 50s and the 60s where you're going to another country and you might not get the rub of it because the referee might be a little bit communisty, let's say, you know. And if you're playing someone like in the USSR, they might be like, well, I'm from Belarus, but, you know, I'm not going to give a penalty to the English team, am I? You know, so I get that. But again, it's just outdated. It, it, it's like how I think the offside rule needs to evolve now, you know, because yeah. like being offside by a toe is, is not the whole reason that that rule was brought in. It was brought in to stop people just sitting on your oh, goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, that was, was what that rule was brought in for. It was to combat for. goal hanging. Yeah. yeah it, was, I mean, it was just a combat know. goal hanging. That was literally it. And now it's taken to the nth degree where if you've got a yeah, fingernail or a toe or yeah. you're offside. You've got an elbow or a toe or a thumb and it's over the red line. It's like... Because that does not give you a competitive advantage. Which is exactly what I said in my VAR show, that it needs to evolve. It needs to change. Now, that if any part of your body is onside, then, you know... You should be onside, I think, you know, if, if, because if we're both running in the same direction, but I happen to be a little bit faster than you, is that my fault? It's not, I'm not sitting mm. on the edge of your 18 yard box, just picking up balls that are punted long to me that I just go, ha, cheers, turn around and then score. It's just that I just happen to be faster than you. And now I'm being penalized for that. You know, rules need to evolve, and that's one rule yeah. that needs to evolve. And I don't think you need to book people for time wasting anymore because we've got so many officials now that they can there can be someone. The fourth official's job is literally the timekeeper. The fourth official tells the referee how much time should be added on. Yeah. So there is literally someone timekeeping. You could say, okay, well, just, yeah, just add on, add on what, what was that, two? Yeah, add on another two minutes. Yeah, that's fine. Well, the referee has a second stopwatch, doesn't he, to time the, the time of stoppages, and he gives that yeah. figure to the full official, and he just totals it up as the game goes. Yeah. And then says how much there is at the end of the game. So you are just literally just stopwatch on and off. Or you go to the rule where every time the ball goes out of play, the clock stops. Oh, like what, like NFL? Yeah, uh, rugby as well, I think, when the ball's out of play, the clock stops. Yeah, I will have to take your word on that. I'm I'm not up on the rules. Yeah, it does in in rugby when the ball goes out, they stop the clock. And they, they yeah. wait so if you're, you're talking about time wasting being an issue, every time the ball leaves leaves pit, stop the clock. Yeah. 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 And then the ball doesn't go live until it's been until it's back in play, whether that's from the goal kick, whether that's from the throw in, or whether that's from the corner. That's the easiest way to stop that. But they yeah, won't do it. They'll, not... they'll find some really weird, uh, strange way. Like, uh, no, uh, satellites have. We're, we're going to put satellites up that that tell that can read your brain <laughs> and they know whether you're time wasting or not. And then, and then, three time wasting thoughts in a five minute period will equal a yellow <laughs> card. And you know, like, because they they just feel like they need to be special. You know, the, the rules that they.
All right then, Lee. Your your first uh, your first topic. What 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 would it you is, like to talk yeah. about as your first well, foray? I know, very very nervous and excited at the same time. You should be uh, squeaky bum time. <laughs> really is. <laughs> we we sort of had just spoke about it a little bit, but what I was going to say was mainly: Do you feel that Chelsea's spending that they've done over the past two seasons? season and a half is it going to come back to bite them with the amount they're bringing in the length of the contracts because it's amazing they're signing all these you know these youngsters and these talented players but it's not going to say that you know they're going to produce what they've bought them in for because some of them could be major flops and they some could be made moment, to start. <laughs> yeah, it's it's proven it by just by their first two games. I mean, they got Luton Friday night. You you, you can you can never say that there's not going to be an upset in the league. And Chelsea with all this money they've spent and all these stars and you know if if they lose to Luton, that is already a bad season starting. I think the so, amount of money they've spent in 15, 16 months is literally unprecedented. I but, want to know how they yeah, are on they, FFP. Yeah. Could yeah, so this season they're okay because they have got some outgoing. So I think their net FFP this season is about 150, 150 yeah. probably a bit higher now they signed Lavia. But, but it's that's to do if with the, the Saudi that, league didn't come in for all their players, yeah. they wouldn't have made that money. It, so they've basically taken the money in real life done what, uh, looked at FM and gone, we can spread these payments over X number of years, which won't count towards our FFP, which is basically what they've done. They're I mean, that's what every to... team does do. I mean, even even the, we're going, we were talking about Gareth Bale, even that was spread over three years. Yeah, 100%. But they spread a lot of those, so a lot of the transfers for last season are spread over eight or nine, because FIFA, we talk about rule changes within football. Uh, they changed the rules so you can only spread it over five years. That's mm. it. That's the most you can spread a transfer payment over. Yeah, they changed uh, it. It's yeah. five years. So that is going to eventually unwind on Chelsea because obviously the, every season you go through, the amount of money that they can spend will become, will gradually, will become less and less because they've got occurring debt on that 960 million that they've uh, outlaid in total um, fees. They've taken a massive gamble because uh, with these players are on an eight, nine, well, one's an like a ten-year contract. Some they are not going to be able. They're not going to be able to offload these players because they put them on big money. They've got them signed for an awful long time, and there's no incentive for that player to leave. No, absolutely none, because they are made for life. You know, you think an average career of a footballer is about twenty some odd years. Nearly half of their playing career is now. Yeah, they are now set for eight years of their life on 150, 200 grand a week, probably minimum for a lot of those players. Um, and there's a UEFA rule coming in soon that your wage expenditure can't, I think next season is 90% of your turnover, then it goes to 80%, and then it totals out at 70%. So they are going to have to attempt to offload players at some point, which they're just not going to do because, like Mbappe, didn't want to leave PSG because he didn't have to. These players, they've got, no, they've got no incentive to move and they can loan as many as they like out to Salzburg, which seems to be their farm club. 
But then they'll just have 40 players out on loan, which they're still going to pay for because the clubs aren't going to pay their wages or aren't going to pay a significant proportion of their wages. So it's going to be like a really vicious cycle. And let's face it, out of every probably, what, 10, 11 really high-promising, high-potential youngsters that you sign... Who make it? Or your cup, yeah, maybe two become superstars. Oh, and they're... And they've, they're signed 30, they've signed 30-somewhere players over the last 18 months. Oh, and just to correct you, Mike, their affiliate club is Strasbourg, not Salzburg. Sorry. Oh! Oh, Statman Lee coming in to take over Tom's place. Uh, <laughs> I've lost my train of thought now, but yeah, they're just going yeah, to get stuck with these, these wages. And let's face it, their injury list is already at 10. I know. And they're still buying players. They bought two today. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're, and they're, they're still looking at a third. They're looking at another goalkeeper, aren't they? Yeah. I think they need one, to be honest with you. I don't <laughs> yeah, San, trust me, Sanchez will show his true form <laughs> soon. Kepa's gone to Real Madrid. What the hell is that all of- You got De Gea on a free, but now we're going to bring Kepa in? What? Mm. <laughs> yeah, to replace the man, uh, to cover the guy that replaced him. So he replaced Quartar at Chelsea, and now he's gone to Real Madrid to replace Quartar at Real Madrid. Again. So, <clears throat> a couple of points I'm going to point out is that, A, first of all, yeah, I mean... Dozens of these players are going to depreciate in value. Of course they are. That no one is no one is going to pay the money for Mudrick that Chelsea did. He he looks like he's just going to be a massive flop. He is and 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 this ties into my second point as well. He is Tongai on Dombele of Chelsea, basically. And that is what yeah. that is what Chelsea have done. They've gone Spurs on it just to a whole bigger extent. It's just let's just waste our money on whoever we can get. Um I was oh, say he's how many like of those Wilson players Palacios. turned out were? Pardon? I was gonna say he's more like Wilson Palacios. No, nah, we Wilson signed Palacios out of Gareth Bale money. No, he was good. way better. He was way better than on Dombele. Come on, at least he tried as well. I liked Palacios. <laughs> yeah, okay. He was hmm. really good on FIFA. <laughs> But, um, yeah, uh, but that's basically what they've done is that's what we did with the bail money is we just went crazy. And you'd say one player out of that was decent. Ericsson, yeah. But that's basically what Chelsea have done. They've just done, they've just gone out and signed everyone that they can and then just been like, well, maybe one or two. It doesn't even look good. like they may have tried to sign everybody they can, but they've, 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 they've no logic behind who they Signed. Which is very Chelsea-esque. We've had this discussion so many times. Scattergun. That's what they do. They just... They they are basically that playing football manager. They're just like, oh, he yeah, wants to are. come? Oh, apparently it says in the news here, I've been linked with this player. I'll make a bid for him then. You know? Like, oh. <laughs> Um, that's basically what they've done. They've said like, oh, you know, they've read the news report that comes through and they've just gone, oh, I am linked with him. Oh, I might as well buy them. Don't sign him. Yeah, it it. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you have an American in charge, isn't it? Who knows nothing about football? And just like you know, very true. Yeah. Do Do you think though as well that because uh, I heard it today as well they were saying that obviously Lukaku is back at Chelsea now because he's not wanted at Juventus. Inter don't want him. Thing is, though, do you think Pops will try and bring him back in, or 
Will Potts just leave him in the reserves to just... Wait I don't think he'll leave him in the reserves. I don't think he'll... I, I think he'll go before the end of the window. He's been linked quite heavily with us. And to be honest with you, I'd be quite happy with that signing. You know, I know Phelan has a that. different... Phelan probably has a different opinion on him because he does, he, he, he said a few weeks ago that he thinks Lukaku's burnt all his bridges and he's had his chance at the Premier League now. But I'd still be all right with that. If we could get him for cheap, 25, it, 30 mil, was, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, it would depend yeah. It would depend on the money that we pay for him because, let's face it, the Richarlison experiment has failed miserably. I'm miserably. still comfortable enough no. to give him more time. No. Um, all he did but, on Saturday was freaking throw his arms up and down in the air like a stroppy child. He is not. So that's all I saw him do. But this I'm is... This is we've had this discussion before, though, is that I don't I don't have a problem with signing Richarlison as a player, like a squad player, just not for the money yeah. he keeps going for. I don't get why people keep saying, this guy's great, spent 80 million on him. Like, I, I don't get that. We spent 60 million at... quid on him. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I don't him. understand that. But Everton spent like 50 on him, didn't they? And it's yeah. like, and then, you know, it was like, well, what's he done at Watford that warranted that? And then we signed him for six years. Like, well, what's he done at Everton that warranted that? Like, and then yeah. Real Madrid was signing for 90. You watch. And like, yeah. But um, I don't have a problem with him as a player. I think he works hard. I think he's got a lot of go get up and go about him. But I don't see him as a number nine centre forward. No. Um, and he's not worth 60 million. No. But Chelsea will try and move him on because he is a high earner and it will get that off their books. And if they can get a transfer, they'll get obviously they'll probably try and get sixty mil for him. So that sixty mil plus that his much. wages. Off I, the book. I, do you know I wouldn't even pay sixty mil for him now? Not after. No, they'll they'll they'll, they'll be banking on a Saudi club to pay sixty mil for him. That's yeah. what they'll be banking on. Not not even the Saudi clubs want him, and that's saying something because they take anyone. But they'll 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 either try and move on or they'll pay out or they'll buy him out or something just to get him off the books. I think I can't see Lukaku being there after the transfer window. Yeah, really I, I I think they'll probably just pay off his contract and and just and just make him a free agent. To be honest with you. Yeah, but um, I don't I don't think Potts will bring him back in. Um, he's not really a Potts player either, is he? To be fair, he's not. No. Um, he doesn't work hard enough. No, Potts needs players that are just going to run their run their asses off, doesn't he? So yeah, Lukaku's he's not a runner; he's a target man, and he it just what he wants to do just doesn't it won't suit Potts. I don't think it's going to suit uh, Spurs particularly. I don't think really it suits a lot of clubs now, to be fair, because they don't not most don't play with a target man. No, they want you to run in behind. They want you to drop deep. Which they want you to. It's a shame because. I think he's a decent... I think he's a really good player. You just need to play his style of football, which is why he was great at West Brom. You know, he was brilliant at West Brom. Everton he was decent he, at, you know. He, like He played in a tour into Milan, and that's where he thrived. In he the, can't he was play, awesome, not, yeah. But, he, can't, he can't play as, as, a, as a single entity up front. No. He needs to play off for somebody because he's that physical presence. He works he was, in a front two. He was he was failed, I think, as soon as he went the first time he signed with Chelsea as a youngster, that's when he was failed by the club because all they do, they sign you and they loan you out for four or five seasons. 
And then he should never have gone back to Chelsea. If he'd have stayed at Inter Milan, right. he'd be a completely different player. But it was money. That's all he went back for. He didn't go back because of the love of the club. No, no player does that. Money. I mean, it goes to show the love of the club. And this is probably going to be a really sore spot now. But the way Harry Kane went, I had to leave Tottenham to go to a club where I'm going to win trophies. That's a bit of a kick in the it. teeth, isn't it? To... I, think, I think the phrase was, I want to go to a club where I feel the pressure to win trophies every yeah. year. Which I thought was a really kind of Kicking backhanded statement. Really backhanded statement. I don't begrudge players for that, though. I mean, like, my all-time favourite player of all time is Teddy Sheringham, and he said the exact same thing. And and I think it's 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 not... It's more against the club than anything else. Because Sheringham did it. Sheringham, if you read his autobiography, he's like, I wanted to say at Spurs. I wanted to win stuff with Spurs. I said to Alan Sugar, buy these players. Sign these players. I've spoken to Rob Lee. He says he wants to come and play here. He is like um, setting up Les Ferdinand week in, week out at Newcastle. Get him here and we will win stuff. And Alan Sugar said, "Nah, I'm I'm good." Rob Lee was a player. Yeah, yeah, underrated. Yeah, but you know, mm. but yeah, like, but they... there's a difference between saying he wanted to leave because he wants to win trophies, which is fine, to yeah. saying that he he's gone because he wants to know he wants to to I... be under that pressure to win. I I, I, I just thought the way he said I think... it. I think that that's what he meant, but he's not the most eloquent of people, is he? Yeah, I'm not, but it, but that's it not me just, attacking it was, him. It was, but... kind of, it was kind of the way that he'd said it and the way that he smirked as he said it that I just didn't think was... Um, but you know, all players, was, all I, players I, do that at a new club. Their first interview... You need to ingratiate yourself to the new fans, don't you, as well? Yeah. You know, like that's why I don't I don't begrudge him. You know, it's like... I yeah, just thought, I, I I just it. thought it, was a, it was a bit of a backhanded... Well, comment to say you you got a thing of it of what the atmosphere is going to be like when Bayern face Spurs in the Champions League this season so, so I mean maybe next season you'll know what it'll be like then why do you have to do that man come on we we didn't what? say anything bad about Brighton come on man <laughs> Please, what is there bad to say about Brighton at the moment you got a terrible terrible badge Lisa's not a dolphin. At least they change it to a seagull. Yeah, I guess, but seagulls are. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. All they do is. They're, they're the rats of the sky. They steal your chips. <laughs> so, where do you think but, Chelsea. Without going into too many spoilers for the prediction show, what do we actually think Chelsea are going to achieve well, in the next side? This was my this third and final. This was my third and Definitely. final point is that I still think they have the right man in charge because if anyone can get anything out of young, unproven players like that, it will be Pochettino. And I'm still. I'm still going to say that I think they're going to be the to- t- closest title challengers. Mate, it's and been two games. I'd, it's, it's been two games, but Poch, Poch will improve that squad. There's no doubt about that because he did it at Spurs in a season where you didn't sign anyone. Hmm. And wasn't that was was that the season where you got to Champions League? It was, it was, it was, it was, it was yeah. final, yeah. It yeah, was, so it, it shows was, yeah. that 
what he can do with no money, but and what he did at Southampton as well with yeah, you know very little resources and it's, stuff. It's not going to happen this season as title challenges, only because I think I, I think Man City are going to improve with the players they got rid of and the ones they're going to bring in. Arsenal, I think, have improved a little bit. I don't rate Kai Havertz, but and I think I think Newcastle as well are going to be mm. and Liverpool are going to be the top four. No, I I don't see Liverpool push. They're they're not as good anymore as they were. Um, I think that they've weakened that team over the last five years or so. I mean, all on. you've got to do is look at his defence. They've had the same problem for the past three years now and Klopp refuses to change his approach to it. Van Dyke's mm. looking like a one-season wonder. He's got no one next to him that can cover for his errors. Their full-backs... Yeah. Robertson, you'd say, is okay. Um, and Trent's a liability. Trent's a liability at fullback. We had this discussion last week, didn't we? Mm. Midfield is weaker than than it was, and I I don't think. I mean, I think their front three is probably collectively the best in the league, but I don't think I agree with you. I think their midfield is soft. Their front three is weakened. It's I been think Diaz weakened, brings a whole different I think. element. Yeah. I think Diaz, Diaz, coming back Diaz is, is a phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. I think he's great. But Salah is starting to get on a bit now. Um, yeah. Jota is not the out-and-out forward that Firmino was. But then I always thought that Firmino was the weakest link out of the three that they had. Yeah, before I, anyway. I always yeah. thought Firmino was yeah. the weakest link. But they look like a shadow of themselves without Mane in that team. Yeah, um, since Mane left, it's it's not been the same. And signing Nunes, he just sits. Oh, on the he board. hasn't worked. Yeah. He hasn't worked. It hasn't uh, worked. But you would have like he'd fit in expected. with that team perfectly. There's your big centre forward guy, and then yeah. you have your two runners over side of him. There you go. That's your that's your team right there, isn't it? You know, you got Diaz on the left, Salah on the right, and you got the big you got your big Darwin Nunes up front, but. Salah's presence in that team and the way Liverpool plays through Salah has, has had a negative effect yeah. on Nunes because it's the Harry Nunes Kane syndrome. It's Harry Kane yeah. syndrome. It's 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 you know like we might be a better team now that he's gone because we're not always looking for him in our general play and we're not looking for him to dig us out of a hole when we're screwed. You know it's. I, I definitely think he is becoming a liability in the dressing room rather than a help now. And that happens mm. after a while. Ferguson said it, it, you know, eventually you need to get rid of those big players because they're going to start dragging you down like an anchor. You know, if well, yeah, anyone knew right, how to do first, it right. Get it. Yeah. yeah. But that's because he wasn't really given the support, was he? That's the problem. He knew it's time to start turning this team over. But yeah. he just didn't get the players yeah. that he wanted. And the only problem I see with Chelsea is that he'll he'll identify people, but then the owner or the director of football or whatever or is going to say, here's five others that we got you instead. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't say yeah. any of these players. I don't yeah. need any of these players. I need 
someone that can put the ball in the net. You know, oh, well, I got you six creative midfielders. That's not what I meant. Because you know, like... a, a lot of the Chelsea's forward players are effectively attacking wingers. Yeah. That they're trying to play yeah, up They front. don't have anyone yeah. that can just put the ball in the net, do they? They've got, yeah, they've got no, like, kind of, for lack of a better phrase, centre forward. They don't have a centre forward. They've got attacking midfielders and attacking wingers that can score goals, but they don't have an actual centre forward. Well, unless, yeah. unless he's going to use Jackson up front as the centre forward. But that's I think. But he's, he's, but he's not an out-and-out centre forward. And unproven. Mm. And yeah, yeah again, he doesn't look like that. That that guy who you you know he's going to be there or thereabouts in the box you know he he looks like the kind of guy that's going to drop out to the left to try and yeah you know and like yeah they they need have... they they need a drogba that's what they are missing the drogba type of player that he was well that's always... what they thought lukaku was going that's what they be, thought lukaku but... was yeah but He's not, he's not the like kind of guy that's going to get involved in the build-up, though, is he? No. He's the kind of no. guy that, like, find me at the end once you lot have done all your yeah. bits and pieces and I'll put the ball in the net. Which is, mm. for me, the definition of a great centre-forward. It's like, well, you guys do all your fancy crap. That's what you want. Then find me at the end yeah. and I'll put the ball in the net. Done. Easy as that. It's an easy game yeah. when you play it right, isn't it? But, no, nah, see, managers seem to want to just outthink themselves, you know? It's like... Just to finish off my point quickly, um, Liverpool, yeah, I don't think they're the same team that they once were. Uh, United are not going to push for the title. United are a mess. They don't have I, a midfield right now. I don't think they Newcastle have... Right yeah, I don't think Newcastle have signed the types of players that are going to allow them to have a title challenge yet. I mean, this would have been the season I put them probably in the top five or four. They beat me to it last season. This would have been the season I would have said, yeah, fifth, fourth, something like that, they'll probably finish. But I don't think that they're still there for a title no, challenge yet. I'd agree with that. I feel like they've tried to consolidate that top four slot before pushing yeah. further because they wanted some Best Champions League do. money for a couple of seasons and then push that on when it... Because they, they still have FFP issues. To credit to them, they're actually trying to do it slowly rather than trying to go uh, 20 steps at once. Yeah, which I think is probably a better way of approaching it, to be honest with you, because that's going to... You're going to avoid the the QPR effect in that yes. instance, aren't you? You know, of just like, well, let's just go sign 30 players right now. All of Man City's old team, when they got when they upgraded, <laughs> we'll just sign all of their old players, you know? Yeah, yeah, they did. But you avoid that, which is good. And I think that that's I think that that's a good way of doing it. But I don't see them as a title challenge this season, which then leaves me right. with Chelsea. And I think that they have a coach that can get the best out of a squad like that. I just think he needs to just settle it down first because there's so much talk about who they're signing and how many players are signing and how much they've spent and blah, blah, blah. And it's like... Now you've got to fit these 16 players into this 11-man team, you know, and it's like... Well, by the time they've signed these extra ones, they did, they would have spent a billion pounds yeah. in 14 months, which is... And do I, you know what I mean? No, but no I just club, think that that needs to die down. Once yeah, that you can't, calms it's down not sustainable a bit, in terms of It's not sustainable in terms of harmony. It need, as you say, it needs to flatten out and just 
go with what we've got and just let him work with what we've got. This is, I mean, this is all based on whether the owner looks at it and thinks, wow, you lost two games in a row by Poch. You know, I'm going to sign some, I'm going to get a new manager in. Because, I mean, he got rid of Tuchel for unknown yeah, reasons. That was a weird decision. He brought in Potter and then got rid of him before the end of the season, which I knew was coming. But, I mean, he, he did that anyway. We all knew it was coming. So, unless he turns around and goes, wow, after three games, we're in the relegation zone. We're in trouble here. Potch, I need to get rid of you. I need to bring someone else in. Which I don't see as being completely unrealistic. And if that happens, then no, they will not be the title challenge. If they stick with Potch, I think they'll be the main challenger. I don't think they'll get close. City will run away with it this season, I think. But they'll be second, third, uh, you know, in in that kind of region, I think. Because, A, Poch is the kind of manager that could get a good performance out of a decent team. And, B, it's Chelsea. They always manage to do something to p- So, you know. Yeah. That's fair. Or, that, or they'll win a trophy, you know. And if they... On the scenario of if they don't make the Champions League this season, mm-hmm. how how screwed do you think they are? Oh, well, you're going to be counting on that Champions League money, aren't you? If you're there or thereabouts and say it comes down to last game of the season and they fail it by a point, then they've lost a hell of a lot of money. What's... Todd Bowley's business. The thing is, with the, the investor group at Chelsea, it's not just him. He's got a, like him. a whole group of investors. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. That, it's about, that came it's in about and, 800 he people. A, yeah, he, he's the head of yeah. the consortium that a load of people pitched in to buy Chelsea because of the cost of it. So he, he didn't their, have all the money to buy them. Who's their, 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 their feeder club, did you say? Strasbourg, who they just okay. bought. So is there any way that you could not say that maybe Strasbourg find themselves with an extra £90 million or something to spend and then all of a sudden Mudrick turns up at Strasbourg and all of a sudden Chelsea's FFP problems go away? Well, they're they're looking because now Strasbourg is going to be sort of a a feeder club for oh, Chelsea yeah. to spend Look, I don't even know. I wouldn't even say feeder club, club, wouldn't they? And all that. Yeah. They're, they're going to be but sending youngsters. I mean, yeah. The, like I said, Todd Bowley's playing football manager. That's what we all do in football manager, right? We find a club and then all the players that we can't loan out for for for, for, for money, we end up just shipping over to them yeah. to go and play for that feeder club for me, please. Go play that for you know? every Every club finds finds a way around something and i'm sure there's i'm sure there's already plans in place that if if they don't make it yeah they're, they're, they're I something. i actually envisage more of a scenario where they have a um under the table deal with a saudi club that like they have done this season that just come in and bought load of their players that it but wouldn't saudi surprise don't me need that... the money exactly 
So it's not like the Saudi teams are short of money, nor are they governed the same way as the obviously no. like the UEFA clubs are, and, and they are in the Premier League. So it wouldn't surprise me if there isn't some form of under the table backhanded partnership that just basically says each season we will, as a collective league, buy four players off you for a grand total of 150 mil for argument's sake to pick a figure, which just kind yeah. of um, just because that, that's what it feels like kind of happened this season because some of the transfers coming out of Chelsea to Saudi were just a little bit out of left field and a bit random. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if there is some deal like that done just to keep to keep players going into the Saudi league and then Chelsea can stay on top of their FFP issue. It would not Maybe. surprise me. Do you know what annoys me most about all of this Saudi stuff? Timing. Bloody sucks, man. Always in the wrong place. Always in the right place at the wrong time, I am. So annoying. Yeah. God. I was there before it was cool. Bloody annoying though, man. Imagine now I was working at the club that Steven Gerrard was bloody manager of. God, I could have got in there. We both speak English. Oh yeah, you you know, not many English people living around here, mate. I'm English. Want to talk to me? By the way, it'd be really cool if you could tell me a thing or two, you know, maybe introduce me to some people. Yeah. No. It'd be sacked soon, I give it six months. Steve Gerrard would be out. Yeah, but, you know, that six months I could have been schmoozing and getting a bit of, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, getting a getting, getting a, a reputation, you know, and then he'll be like, oh, I'm actually in Thailand now, Richard. Uh, fancy <laughs> coming out and coaching in Thailand? Uh, uh, and I'll be like, oh, Stevie, yeah, mate, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> but no, no, I was there when no one was there. There's no bitterness in that statement at all, is there? We just have a moment of silence for yeah, which is bad. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, they stick with Poch. I think by the end of the season it'll be okay. If they panic and decide that this isn't working, which could happen, I mean they've got a track record for it in the very small amount of time that they've been there already, then I think that they'll really struggle. Because who's going to go in there? Exactly. Who Who even... Nagel's starting... probably the only other person. It's starting it, it, to it turn into become... a Real Madrid situation. I was about to yeah. say, but Real Madrid always get managers because not? it's Real Madrid. Real yeah. Madrid always get managers because it's Real Madrid. And I think we had this conversation, Rich. Kelsey will always get managers because they'll get money. Yeah, they don't go for the football. It's money. No, they'll, they'll go. They'll and they get money to spend, and they'll they know eventually if they sign a four year deal, at uh, twenty million over the four years that they're going to get paid that at regardless of what whether they're there for six mm. months a year or four years. So yeah. you know, in, in terms of that kind of choice, it makes sense both the way around. But right. Chelsea always are managers. Mancini might. He's on the, No, no, he's managed. He's literally today the manager of the, the Saudi Arabian national team. Literally oh, he today. he did sign it. I heard that that was a rumor, yeah. but I didn't know that it actually went. Oh, yeah, what? he's been. He, yeah, he's the new manager of the Saudi Arabian national team. What a surprise! See, there you go. See, now there was another one. There was two players that I coached that were, that are in the Saudi national team. I could have spoken to them and said, "Look, can you get me a little discussion with Mancini?" You know, like. 
Yeah, that deal was done about 5 p.m. today. Started right on Sky Sports. FML, my friend. FML. And now I'm so, stuck yeah. here doing this crap with you two pillocks. God. <laughs> I mean, I've got a bit of light to it, so, you know. If you will indulge me, gentlemen, I will move us on to the Sacked in the Morning Hall of Fame trademark, copy mark, registered brand. (laughs) This week... This is, we are doing one of the silly ones that I came up with a few, remember a few months ago when I said I couldn't think of anything and there was just a silly idea that was in my head. We are doing that one, Feeling. So today, the topic is Battle of the Hair, Afro's Edition. Your first choice, gentlemen. Carlos Alberto Valderrama. Palacio. Could have called that a mile away. Yeah, well, you know, come on. Who's he, who's he going up against, though? That's the real question. Uh, he was born on the 2nd of September 1961 in Santa Marta, Colombia. He began his playing career with Union Magdalena at the age of 20 before a stint at Millionarios. What a great name for a club. That's what they should rename Chelsea to. Billionarios. Then, moving to Deportivo Cali, where he would come to the attention of European sides being brought to France by Montpellier, where he would spend three seasons winning a Coupe de France. Uh, Carlos spent one more season in Europe before returning to the Americas and would even take part in the inaugural MLS season with Tampa Bay Mutiny. Widely considered to be one of the best South American players of his generation, Valderrama made his Colombian debut in 1985 in a 3-0 defeat to Paraguay. He would go on to become his nation's most capped player before being topped by David Ospina. He remains, however, his country's most capped outfield player with 111 caps, appearing in three World Cups and five Copper Americas. As well as the 111 caps at international level with 11 goals, he played 672 times at club level with 63 goals, winning two league titles, two domestic cups, one Copper America MVP award, two South American Footballer of the Year awards, four Team of the Year inclusions, World Soccer's and FIFA 100's Best Footballers of All Time, Golden Foot as a Legend, and Colombian Player of the 20th Century. Some people forget just how good he was. He was mm, very, very good. Entertaining as hell. Or... <clears throat> Will it be Sideshow Bob, David Luiz, Moriera, Marino, who was born on the 22nd of April 1987 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Luiz started his youth career at Sao Paulo, but was released and joined Vitoria as a defensive midfielder 
but was almost released by them before being moved to centre-back and shining in that position. After signing his professional contract in 2006, it would only take one season before he was snapped up by Benfica in Portugal. He spent four seasons there, winning one league and two cup titles. And in 2011, David signed for Chelsea in a move worth 25 million euros. It is here he would become a household name, winning the FA Cup in his first season. Oh, and uh, also uh, the Champions League. Not bad for a debut season, I would say. Uh, Could he have possibly been a missing puzzle piece? He would continue to have great success at Chelsea before a world record £50 million transfer to Paris Saint-Germain in 2014. That's a world record for a defender, by the way, not not like overall. Yeah. Uh, He would continue his run of success winning a French treble in his first season. Indeed, he would never not win titles again at every club he would play for, winning uh, another league title at Chelsea and cups for Arsenal and Flamenco, where he still plays to this day. Luis has played so far, because he's still playing, 679 games, scoring 39 goals and 57 times for Brazil with three goals. He has won four league titles, 13 domestic cups, four continental cups, FIFA Confederations Cup, one Player of the Year award, Club World Cup Silver Ball, and 12 separate Dream Team entries. There you go. Now, just before you both go into, well, it's obviously him mode, because you can see which way the weather's, which way the wind's going to blow. I was not aware. It's it's very obvious because you know, duh. But <laughs> humor me for a moment, and let you know. Let me believe that it's gonna be a fair fight. You know, I did not realize how successful David Luiz actually was. Oh, there's no denying he's a successful player. The problem is his reputation will forever be tarnished by the 2016 World Cup. Hence why I said it was one-sided. But because that's what most people think of when they think of David Luiz, and I understand that, but when I was doing the research for it, because I was trying to find someone to go up against, and there were a few players that I was trying to decide, I wanted to put that one in because, A, they're both from South America. So I thought that made a lot of sense. Yeah. But also, I didn't realise how successful he actually was. I mean, he was the world's most expensive uh, defender at one point, before Van Dyke obviously came along. And, I mean, he won an FA Cup and a Champions League in his first season at Chelsea. He won a treble in France, which I guess isn't really that much of a, you know... Uh, a challenge, but then he came back to Chelsea, won another league title, won another league title, and then he won a cup with Arsenal. I mean, that's got to be pretty impressive, right? I mean, it is. Yeah, it is with Arsenal. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. So just humour me a little bit before we make our decisions. 
I, I, it's, it's a good one, but I find it really hard because I've, I've never been a fan of David Lewis. I, yeah, he's been successful and everything that he's he's done, especially his first season, effort, yeah, winning a cup and winning Champions League, and then going on from there. But I, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I've just never really taken to him like like some players. Uh, but you you can't you can't hide what he's done. Is that's a hell of an achievement for a playing career and to still be playing today. Yes, he's, he's playing in Brazil, but he's still playing football. So to do that, yeah, he's, he's had a great he's had a great career and he's you know he's done well for the clubs that he's been at. But for me, yeah, it's I'm I'm just not a fan of him. Because you're racist. <laughs> you're, Brazilian. you're just you're anti ginger. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately I do have kind of the same opinion as as Lee, to be fair. Um he's just I could never really see how clubs could justify spending the money that they did on him. To be the world's most expensive defender at one point is almost laughable there is no denying that he's had a lot of success but in big moments in big matches when you know the best players are supposed to you know kind of stand up and be counted he tends to go missing a lot that is typified by what i said earlier about the 2016 uh world cup against germany and he was brazilian captain at that point he was the captain of that team he led that team out and I know a lot of the team was MIA, but he was very much MIA at that at that point, you know. Uh, and there's a reason why he has not added to those 57 caps. I don't think he's been capped by Brazil since that game. I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain that, that you, know, you know, he hasn't been. Um, to ask Tom. Uh, I, yeah, where's Tom when you need him? Um, yeah, but I, I, for me, I just I just, just can't get can't get past that. He's just, I've always found him a bit of a liability. And to be I, fair, you can't compare the hair of those two. He, uh, Van Rama's hair is just legendary. <laughs> Van Rama's hair is just another level. You know what I mean? True, they, you, I, know you've, I know you've tried to compare afros and, you know, you've gone with the if South wanna, American flavour, but, but come on. You compare, you're talking about hairstyles, mate. He is over and above. If you want to compare afros, it's Fellaini, isn't it? Fellaini. I know. Yeah. But there, there will, trust me, there were lots that I could choose from. There will be another Afro edition, don't worry. There, there also needs to be a skinhead edition. So there will also be that as well, don't worry. But um, Fellaini will definitely get his shot within the throws. Trust me, there was, there was, there was a lot to choose from. I, I just went with this just because they were two South American mm. players and I thought I, I, yeah. liked, I liked the, 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 the synchronicity the of that. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with you. I, I, I never rated David Luiz that highly. But going back and looking over this now, I think that a lot of the time, it seems to be that perhaps he wasn't playing in systems that really suited him very well. Like, he seems to be a bit more of a, 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 a liberero, libertero, you know the the ball playing 
uh, centre back, you know, yeah. and he needs someone alongside him that can actually, you know, do the dirty work. Um, and unfortunately, I think a lot of the times that he was he was looked on as both of those roles, and I don't think he's the type of defender that can defend. And I know that sounds really stupid, but I know what you mean. Yeah, he's not. He's not a think... Nemanja Vidic, <laughs> Yapstam. John yeah. Terry kind right, to of caveat, yeah. To yeah. caveat that, he was probably around five years too early. Maybe at peak. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you want to preface it that with something, the way that David Louise played, and I will give you that, it was a very he was a very good ball playing defender. I feel like he was probably five years too early. Maybe maybe I six. think I think that he would have been in that city team. I think he probably would have slotted into that city team. Oh, he yeah. would see so, he would suit the way that football is played now, more so with you know the yeah. possession from the back, building it, playing it forwards. Because uh, I prefer that to the way that you know, obviously watching you watch like teams like City and Brighton, they they have the ball on the centre defender and they're inviting you to press Crap. to play around that. Um, so and that I think would would probably have suited his strength more of what he was what he was better at. If, if he was yeah. if he was playing now, he would definitely be a pet player. Yeah, that Pep would look at and be like, "Yeah, that's that's who I want." Yeah. So I mean, I I I I like I said, I know I know exactly which way the wind was blowing. As soon as this was a choice, I knew which way the wind was blowing. <laughs> but I just wanted to put a little bit more of a a different view and a different, you know, like a actually show that actually this was kind of a decision you know like i mean yeah yeah i was surprised by how how successful he'd been and yeah i i genuinely think that had he well, played yeah, in look the back team, on his career and have too many regrets uh, too many regrets is he but, outside of no but still. i also think the fact that his nickname is sideshow bob also kind of shows that he got tarnished with a brush in a few he got games, a lot of stick. And he never got rid of that again. Like, yeah. three games probably define his entire career, which seems a bit sad. When he played 670s, there's obviously a bit of a microscope, but perception is nine-tenths of everything, isn't it? So This is why everyone thinks George Best is such a great player. But, you know. Anyway, yeah. So who's going in, gentlemen? Well, he, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's it's not David Lewis. No, yeah. Valderrama is. Yeah, Carlos Valderrama, your hair is gorgeous. Plus, let's not forget he had the porn stash to go with it as well. <laughs> yeah, Ron Jeremy. That was oh, <laughs> that was oh, <laughs> glorious, <laughs> glorious looking man. Oh. Just actually a really good player as well. I remember him at France yeah. 98 and he was great in that tournament. Yeah. He was so well done. Player. Carlos Valderrama, a barber's nightmare, but a sacked in the morning Hall of Fame dream. That's why I'm the host of Gentlemen, because I've come up with stuff like that. You two couldn't <laughs> be relied on for that kind of crap. <laughs>
yeah, before we go, I just need to quickly thank our Patreon supporter, Cole Worley. He you is... remember? Yes. <laughs> I remembered last episode as well, to be fair, but you weren't here, so you wouldn't know that. <laughs> no, you were... You were working at your fake job. Working. Yeah, I was. I had to working. feed I my kids. I was... Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, that, you know. I got what to feed. But yes, Cole Worley, thank you. He is one of our hoi polloi, which means that he has access, early access, up to two weeks for this show and others on the network. He could have also watched this show live. He might be watching it live right now. If he is, Cole, hello. But uh, yeah, you can watch this show live. Uh, You will also have behind-the-scenes access. This episode specifically has been very heavily edited I can promise you that. (laughs) You would be able to see all of it over on our Patreon. Or, if you do not want to be a monthly subscriber, you can also head over to our PayPal for a one-off donation. All help is appreciated. That way, Phelan doesn't have to go to his job, you know, and he can actually be here. I have taken some abuse tonight. (laughs) And if you would like to abuse Phelan, I would also. I would also. You can, if you would like to abuse him, you can also be (laughs) on one of our shows. If you are a hoi polloi member, you can arrange to be on the show. Because some people might want to abuse you. Once they see the video, they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, I definitely want to punch that face." This is it's a standard thing. Yeah. Anyone that knows you wants to abuse you. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, feeling. (laughs) <laughs> well on that note thank you for joining me gentlemen no thank, thank you pleasure uh, as always I think it's been surreal <laughs> <laughs> At that surreal, um, yeah. and <clears throat> thank you for listening uh, until next time take care allegedly not this show Enjoyed the show? Why not check out Metal Marmite wherever you get your podcasts? This has been a Rich Tea Entertainment production. Thank you for listening. <laughs>